Well, my fellow churchmen, someone once said, find something that you love to do and you'll never have to work another day in your life. That's how I feel this morning. I really love what I do. I love pastoring this church. I love you. My heart is for you, and my heart is with you. To me, pastoring is not a job. It's not a duty. It's not an obligation. To me, pastoring is ministry. And ministry is all about people. And I love people. Now, I'm not saying that everything is easy all the time because pastoring has its own stresses and burdens to carry. But what I am saying is it's much easier to carry them when you know you are called to do it. I take my responsibility serious as a pastor. And I believe that you would do as do the same as well. The scripture teaches us in James chapter 3 verse 1, and I quote, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a stricter judgment for those who teach or preach the word. I take my responsibility as pastor very serious. See, ladies and gentlemen, my responsibility as pastor is threefold. It is to protect you, it is to feed you, and it is to lead you. My responsibility to you is to protect you from false doctrine. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. My responsibility is to protect you from that. My second responsibility is to feed you the Word of God. I am to develop you into mature Christians where you're not dependent upon me, but you're able to walk in the fullness and the statue of the Scriptures. And the third thing that I'm called to do is to lead you. I'm to lead you forward with the vision that God has given us as a church. Now, I could lead you in many different ways, but I believe that the primary way that I can lead you is with my life. The Bible says in 1 Timothy that the bishop or pastor is supposed to live above reproach. I'm to live my life above reproach, and in doing that, I lead you. But not only can I lead you with my life, I can lead you by giving you a vision to follow. Because without vision, we will certainly perish. We must move forward with a God-given vision. It's interesting to me that the word pastor is synonymous with the word bishop in the Scripture. The word bishop in Scripture is the Greek word episkopos, which means overseer. It's interesting that that Greek word episkopos, which means bishop, is translated in the English, which means telescope or microscope. What do you do with a telescope? You see far away. And what do you see with a microscope? You see things close. So my responsibility as a leader is to give you a vision of the future, but also be very mindful of the things that need to change at the present. Sometimes 
leaders will fall into the big picture and they forget about the things that need to be worked on right now. They forget about the things that need to be tweaked right now at the present. So I believe that my responsibility as pastor is a telescopic vision, but yet it is supposed to be a microscopic vision as well. You see, it's customary for the President of the United States to give a yearly address to Congress about the state of the nation and about his future plans for the nation. I would like to do the same thing, and I would like to give you the state of the church address. And I want to lay out my vision goals for the year 2017. But before I do that this morning, I want to give you the state of Christ Point. Where are we at as a church? No bones about it. No, no cliches. No exaggeration. Where are we at as a church? I'm reminded that God has been faithful to us as a church for 83 years. 83 years God has been faithful to us. Our history can be traced back to September 1934 where a man by the name of Reverend W.C. Marcus opened up a church in an old bar room in a barber shop on 23rd and Annie Baxter in Joplin, Missouri. The picture is behind me. That picture right there demonstrates our very beginning. It demonstrates our very start in Joplin, Missouri. And it was from that place on 23rd and Annie Baxter, that many people's lives have been touched and changed and transformed throughout the 80-some years. We have, we have had numerous pastors throughout the years. We've had many name changes. The, the next picture is a church in 1965. They tore down the old building and built a church in 1965. You see the next picture where... Throughout the years, we have progressed to what it looks like almost similar today. Of course, after the tornado, we really remodeled the building, and it looks practically brand new as of today. So God has been faithful to us throughout the years. But let me say this with, with, this with faithfulness this morning, with assurance. Although we've had numerous names, we've been called many different things, pastors have come and changed the names of the churches, They've had different pastors throughout the years, but there's one thing that's remained stable throughout the years, and that is this. We have never forgotten our Pentecostal heritage. Never. We have never forgotten our Pentecostal heritage. Never. And you know in October of 2010, I came to pastor this church. And then in January 2011... We changed the name of the church from Gateway to Christ Point. We started with 40 people on Annie Baxter on October the 3rd, 2010. But with God's help, we have endured an EF5 tornado. We outgrew our facility and moved to Galena in December of 2014. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a journey. We've had our ups We've had our downs. I don't need to be a bearer of bad news this morning, but we will continue to have our ups, and we will continue to have our downs. But let me remind you what Jesus said to the Apostle Peter, and I quote, Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said it like this, 
And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me remind this church this this morning that this church is not built on Josh Pennington. This church is not built on my ideas or my agenda or my perspective. God may use them, but God's word is the foundation of this church, and Christ is the rock of this church. Christ is the rock of this church. We will persevere. We will continue. We will prevail. We will press on because Christ is our rock. We will not let up. We will not give up in the face of adversary or opposition. We will continue to move forward with the vision that God has given us. We will move forward because Christ is our foundation. He is our rock. Our future is clear. Our future is bright. God has birthed a vision and a purpose within us. God has provided a facility for us so that we can grow for the years to come. You see, the scripture says in Proverbs 19.21 that Solomon said it like this, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail and stand. Ladies and gentlemen, we may have many plans but ultimately it is God's purpose that will prevail in this church. So this is a good day. This is a happy day because we will continue to move forward with the vision and the purpose that God has destined for us to accomplish. We cannot fail because Christ is our rock. Christ is our future. Christ is our goal. Our church in 2016 was a moderate year. We did not explode like we hoped to. We did not decrease. We remained stable. We water baptized eight people, which is probably the lowest that we've done in years. We've received 17 church members into church membership. We have dedicated five babies, and 23 new people went through starting point. Those are not the numbers I want to hear, but I am encouraged to know that we have a new day, and we can still move forward for the future. We've had many obstacles as we went to this church. We've had obstacles such as issues with leadership, as in going to the next level. We've had to change our mindset on how we function. We moved from a 9,000-square-foot building to a 62,000. So even myself, including, we, my leadership had to be stretched to believe God for more, and to do things differently than what I would have done at Annie Baxter. Not only me, but by staff that I've had. They've done an outstanding job coming up to the next level. We are not perfect, but we are trying. We are networking with other churches. We are not afraid to grow. We're constantly having meetings with other pastors. I am being mentored by other pastors. I'm always on the phone learning about what other churches are doing better as in how to connect people to the local church. And yet at the same time, I never lose heart that it is God's agenda and God's plan that grows the church. I am not being a clone of another church. I may get ideas and pray about ideas, but I always want to be a leader and a pastor that is not closed-minded, but open to the scriptures and open to leadership 
open to growth and have a growth mindset. And I believe that as your leader, you want me to have that mindset, don't you? You want me to grow and you want me to learn and you want me to try new things. We will try new things and we may not succeed at them, but we will try. If that don't work, we'll try something else, but we'll continue to try. This is a new year. And I've learned a lot of things from 2016. I've learned a lot of things that needs to be tweaked. I have learned most of all that the most important thing that could ever happen in my life is rest for my own physical body. If I'm not careful, I can deplete myself, and therefore I am no use to this church. I have to have rest of my mind and heart and soul and spirit. Because when I'm rest and refreshed, only can I give to you what God has given to me. These numbers here are not what I want to hear, and they're not the most important. They may be an indicator, but they're not the most important. You know what the most important thing is, ladies and gentlemen? is not necessarily how many church people are coming, but how many people are transformed by the Word of God. How many lives are being transformed into a mature Christian? How many disciples are we making? That is our goal and should continue to be our goal as long as I'm the pastor at this church. I so desperately desire people to grow up in the faith and be a mature Christian and learn how to stand on their own two feet and not necessarily lean upon the, the, uh, the church or myself all the time. I'm here for you. The church is here for you. But I want you to grow. And I want you to be a leader to somebody else who is hurting as well. I'm here for you. We'll be here for you. I'll be praying for you. I love you. But my desire as a pastor is that you grow as a Christian. Everything we do here is surrounded by growing in God, serving and changing the world. That will never change. We may tweak it, but that is the essence of our church. I want you to grow. So as I look at 2016, there is one word that comes to my mind, and that is the word stable. We've just been stable. We grew 25 new people in 2016. We didn't decrease, but just gained a few. We've remained stable. I believe the honeymoon is over now. We've been in this building for a few years. Now I believe it's time for us to really get to work and move forward for what God has for this church. <clears throat> 2017, we have a theme. Now when I use the word theme, I am not deviating from growing in God, serving Him with man, and changing the world. Our theme enhances growing in God, serving with man, and changing the world. Our theme helps us to accomplish the mission. Our theme this year is alignment for excellence. Alignment for excellence. In other words, we need to align our church and raise the level of excellence in five areas of our church. When you come to church this morning, you should have received a vision booklet. And in that vision booklet, I have laid out those five things. And I have laid out those things that we are going to raise the level of excellence for. These things will help us to accomplish growing in God, serving with man, and changing the world. The first thing is called modeling. The second is called mentorship. The third is called membership. The fourth is called missions and mobilizing. Although this sounds like a lot to do, 
it is really not a lot to do. It is just a few things. A few things that we will tweak. A few things that we'll try. The first thing is modeling. Would you shout with me modeling this morning? Modeling. In other words, what kind of presentation are we given? What kind of presentation are we given to the church? What kind of presentation are we given to the community? In other words, our resources, our bulletins, our PowerPoints, the way the church looks, our children's ministry, our logo, anything that bears his name is worth his best. So I want to try very wholeheartedly to try to upgrade our presentation to the community and even to the church. We have already started doing that. If you'll notice, this is an upgrade. If you'll notice, the bulletins are an upgrade. The presentation of Growth Point is an upgrade. We're starting little, but that's what God requires us to be. God requires us to start with little. You see, so we want our presentation to represent excellence. And I believe that this church would agree with President Josh that you want it to be excellent too. I'm asking you to be patient with us. Our staff and myself, we see lots of things that need to be changed. But those things are contingent upon money and resources people and volunteers. So we are working endless hours trying to raise the level of our presentation. Be patient with us. Come to us with solutions and we will work together as a team to raise the level of the model that we present. What about mentorship? Mentorship is the word which I use for training. Training. In other words, I want people to be trained here at Christ Point. I want people to grow deeper so you can go further. I want you to grow deeper so you can grow further. You see, God's desire and plan, according to Ephesians 4, is that I would teach you the Word so that you would grow, so that you in return would be a leader in the church. So I want to raise the level of education in our church from nursery to youth. That is already happening. Before this year, we did not have a set curriculum from nursery to youth. Those teachers did their best to teach them what they felt like they needed to teach. But recently, within the three months, we have actively met with nursery all the way to high school, and we have put everybody on a curriculum called True Fire from kindergarten to high school. And the nursery has a curriculum called Radiant Life. So in other words, from kindergarten through high school, our goal is our children would go through the Bible in three years. We want to raise the level of education in our children and youth department and children's department. Would you agree with that? So right now, they are in a curriculum and we are remodeling, we are remodeling the children's area on the third floor. We don't have carpet, we don't have, but we've remodeled and painted we are getting ready. There are some things that we need resources and money for. And here in the next few weeks, we're going to present to you an improvement list of things that we need to raise money for so that we can present our model excellent and give our children the best. So here in a few weeks, we're going to start raising money for those things that we need so that we can give our children the best 
and our model can be excellent. Would you say amen to that? I want to raise the level in growth point. I want to explore relevant contemporary issues at our next eight weeks. Do you know that we are in a war with culture? The church is dealing with the homosexual issue. It seems like it doesn't go away. Just recently, I had somebody ask me about the issue. Do we ordain homosexuals? Of course we don't. But we are living in a society because you know the scriptures. That doesn't mean everybody else knows the scriptures. That doesn't mean that everybody else has a handle on it. So we need to explore these contemporary issues from a biblical standpoint and give people what the Word of God says about these issues so that they can walk in victory and newness of life. Can I hear an amen? And so we need to deal with that issue according to Scripture. We still believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. It doesn't matter what the court of earth says. The court of heaven will never agree with it. Can I hear an amen? The court of heaven will never agree with the same-sex policy of the United States Supreme Court. So therefore, we've got to answer these questions. We've got to answer the question of government to church. We've got to answer the question of abortion. We've got to answer the question of, of is it ever acceptable to have an abortion? These are issues that are being debated in the church. What about alcoholism? You know that alcoholism is wrong, but that doesn't mean that everybody that comes in this church knows how to deal with alcoholism. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I am not here to give you a case. I know, you know, homosexuality is sinful. You know that we shouldn't drink. You know abortion is wrong. But saying these things is one thing. But dealing with it biblically and giving people the foundation of the Word of God so they can see it with their eyes, they, then they can walk in freedom. Can I hear an amen? So we need to deal with these issues. And so at growth point in the next eight weeks, I want to deal with some of those issues. And you know we only have growth point, which is three times a year for eight weeks we offer classes. And I strongly encourage you to attend. There is no reason why you can't come on Wednesday night. If you get uncomfortable with me saying that, that is the mission of this church, is to grow. I want you to grow. I want you to learn. I don't want you to have the mindset you know it all, but I want you to have the mindset that I am here and I can learn anything from the teacher. My philosophy is I've never heard a bad sermon because my heart is I want to learn. I can at least learn something from a bad sermon. I'm asking you to have that heart. I'm asking you not to be closed in a box thinking that you know everything about the New Testament or that you know everything about the Old Testament or you know how to answer all these contemporary issues. Another contemporary issue is Mormonism. Jehovah Witness, these issues, how do we respond to these issues? You see, you may not be interested in that, but we're living in a culture that we have to deal with it according to the Scriptures. Now what about point sessions? You'll see that in your book. Point sessions are those Wednesdays that we're not having growth point. We have growth point for eight weeks. That's a series of classes that you get to pick. Then after those eight weeks, we come in this sanctuary and have a church service. Well, I'm renaming that, and I'm calling it point sessions. And what I'm going to do in those point sessions, we're not going to have a worship service 
what we're going to do is we're going to have an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half of in-depth theological studies. It's going to be focused. I'll be preaching those. You'll have a handbook. You'll be able to come on Wednesday nights with a handbook, take notes, and we'll deal with theological issues. The first thing that we're going to deal with is salvation and the security of the believer. Can you lose your salvation? What does it mean to backslide? If I sin one time, does that mean I've lost my salvation? That is the first theological study that we're going to deal with, and that starts the first Wednesday of April. After the five weeks, we go back to growth point. After the eight weeks of growth point, I'll deal with another point session, and I'm going to deal with the biblical family is the next one. And then I'm going to deal with hot topics. So I'm going to deal with some issues, theological issues on Wednesday night, and I ask you to come, learn, and grow. This year, we're raising our level of education to the next level. What about membership? Membership. I want to provide various avenues for you to become connected. Last year, we done away with connect groups because I didn't think they were working, but there's been an outcry for connect groups. So we've started connect groups up. Mike and Amy, they're over our young couple ministry. That's a time of fellowship for young couples to be involved. They meet bi-monthly. David and LaDonna, they're unable to be here because of sickness, but they're over 456, 40s, 50s, and 60s. They meet bi-monthly as well. And also we have the joy group. Betty and Jim, they're over. The joy group is 70 and above. And they will also meet. We have the marriage group by David and Linda Hensinger. They're over our marriage group in marriage class. That's the connect group. These are connect groups that are listed in your news point. You should have got March. You open March up, March 17th. Some of those connect groups are meeting. They give you the address. You keep that. It's on the website. If you have a question, go to www.christpoint.net. It has all the announcements there. It's all updated. You have a news point. It has all the announcements there. So you can go to the website and the news point for March and see everything that's happening in the month of March. This Friday, this Friday at 6.30, there will be dinner provided in the gym. And David and Linda are going to have a marriage group. If you want to be strengthened in your marriage... If you want to learn how to resolve conflict and walk in the unity of the Spirit and be partners together and enhance the healthiness of your relationship, I encourage you to be involved in the marriage ministry. Pastor Dave and Linda has a heart for this. They are here for you. Their number is in the bulletin. If you have questions about marriage ministry or if you need counseling, see them. They'll make sure you're taken care of. But this Friday at 6.30, come out for a free dinner and they're going to talk about marriage ministry and have a great time connecting this Friday at 6.30. So, connect groups. I want you to get connected. That is as much spiritual as it is, as it is secular. It, it, it's all spiritual. Us coming together and worshiping together and fellowshipping with one another. Eventually, my heart is to have section communities in each of these sections. There are six sections in the building here. And I would like to have section communities where these communities keep track of attendance. They do baby showers. They, do, uh, they, they keep track of everybody in their section. They have fellowship with one another. These are called section communities. We are not there yet because we are working on everything else. But eventually this year, 
I would like to press towards the goal of having section leaders in each of these sections, and these section leaders will take care of, of attendance, making sure people uh, are contacted if they miss church. Uh, maybe a family needs a baby shower. They will take care of it for their section. They, they are a little family in that section. And uh, it, it, that relieves the pressure off of the staff from contacting everybody that misses when we have section leaders who can take care of their own groups and sections in the church. There is so much more detail involved in that that I don't have time to explain it, but eventually I would like to move towards that. Fourthly, for missions, for missions, for missions. And I think that this is very clear and very, very adamant for missions. And I want you to listen to my heart this morning because this is so very, very important. Missions, it seems like it's a lost art, especially in the church today. Uh, we have different perspectives about missions. We, some of us think it's not important. Some of us think it is important. But let me remind you what Jesus said in Matthew 9.37. He said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the harvest field. Jesus said... As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You see, throughout the Scriptures, God has always been in the sending business. Because our growth is not found in our seeding capacity, it's found in our sending capacity. We should never lose heart of missions. God chose Abraham and sent him to a new country to establish a nation that would be called the people of God. God sent Joseph to Egypt to influence Pharaoh and to preserve Joseph's family from famine. God sent Moses to free his chosen people from slavery and to lead them into the promised land. God sent David to kill Goliath, who had been troubling Israel for years. God sent Esther to become a queen that she would then later influence the king and deliver and save the Hebrew people. God sent Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations. God sent Daniel to represent him before the pagan kings of the world. God sent Paul and Peter to the Gentiles. God sent Matthew to the Jewish people. God sent Mark to the Romans. And God sent Luke to the Greeks. And guess what? God is still sending people. He is sending you and I to the mission field. And we must go. And we must preach. And we must proclaim the gospel. Can I hear an amen? We must go forth. We must preach like never before. If you can't go then let's send somebody to go. But let not another soul go to hell on our watch. As we speak, there are people lost and dying and on their way to hell, and you and I are responsible for them. Ezekiel said, God forbid that blood would be required at my hands. Ladies and gentlemen, there is an urgency. The sound of the trumpet is going to sound, and Gabriel is going to sound the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will be raised first, and we will meet him in the air. But before that day happens, let us gather everyone we can into the flock of God. If a person is poor, that's bad, but they can recover from poverty. If a person don't have a job, that's pretty bad, but I'm sure you can recover from unemployment. If a person don't have proper housing, that's probably not very good, but they can get housing. If a person is sleeping under a bridge, that's horrible. If they're homeless, that's bad, but they can recover from being homeless. 
They can recover from sleeping from the bridge. One day can change their life forever. If a person is in a bad home situation, that can be very discouraging, but somebody can recover from that. If somebody is sick, that's very bad. But they can recover from being sick. But however, ladies and gentlemen, if a man or a woman dies without knowing Jesus as their Savior, that is a blow that they can never recover from all the endless ages of eternity. They are lost forever. No preacher can pray them out. Nobody can sing them out. Once the decision is made and they pass from this world, that is a blow that they will never forget. What are you going to do? Sit on your seat and sing your songs and give your offerings while the world goes to hell? Let us rise up and do something. If you can't go to Africa, let's pay for someone to go to Africa. But let's increase our missions giving. Our missions giving is not very high, especially for a church this size, for all those who claim to go to this church. This year, I've spoken to the Pentecostal Church of God and we are partnering with a church in Oklahoma to build a church in India. There's a church in India who is a very dear pastor who is, for the past few years, tried to build a church. They're meeting in different places but don't have a church building. And so there was a church in Oklahoma raised $1,400, but they're just a very small church, 10 or 20 people. And so we're going to take up the slack they need $8,600 to build a church in India. And so what we're going to do at our mission services, our mission services are bi-monthly now, not every month. At our mission service bi-monthly, our missions offering will go towards building a church in India. All of the missions offering will go to build a church in India till it's raised. Our church supports missionaries whether you support them or not. We give to them every month. Whether we have a mission service or not, we support every month. But at our mission service, we're going to take all of that money and send it to India so this dear pastor can raise the funds and so their congregation can have a church and they can win, continue to win souls. I believe that as we plant in India and sow seed for somebody else to have a church, God's going to take care of this building for us. Can somebody say amen? So let's build a church. In India, $8,600 is very reasonable for us to meet. Another thing we're going to have is bow. Somebody shout bow. B-O-W. It stands beyond our walls. Beyond our walls. Occasionally, on a Sunday night, what I'm going to do at the end of the service, I'm going to ask people to come who feels led to go to the community. This church is going to supply gift cards and I'm going to give you gift cards for random acts of kindness. And I'm going to send you forth from this church. Some of you might go to Applebee's. Some of you might go to Chili's. Some of you might go to the gas station. Some of you might go to a Red Lobster, whatever. I'm going to have different gift cards. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to give you instruction and in what to say. I want you to go to certain places in Galena and Joplin. And I want you to do random acts of kindness. And I want you to buy their meal, whatever, the church will provide it for you. You go out, bless them, and you're going to give them information about a church service that we're going to have. Can I hear an amen? Beyond our walls, let's get out. Now, Pastor Josh, you may say, why are we doing that? Because knocking on doors, 
It don't work no more, folks. They think you're a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness. Can somebody say amen? Do you know why acts of kindness works? Do you know why it works? Because Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, in other words, God requires people to look instead of listen. Let them see your good works. Let your light, Matthew 5, 14, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works. Glorify your Father. He didn't say go out and beat them over the head and tell them they're going to hell. I am suggesting what we need to do is go and provide acts of kindness because people think all the church wants is my money and they think the preacher is a crook. That's what they think nowadays. But let's reverse it. Let's go outside the walls of the church. Let's just randomly bless people. Let them see our good works. It opens their heart for the gospel and it can provide an opportunity for them to hear the gospel. That, that doesn't require you to say anything. That just requires you to do a good work. I'm not asking you to preach a sermon. I'm not asking you to give a theological application of Scripture to somebody. I'm just asking you to bless somebody with a free meal that the church will pay for for you to do. You see, how do we let our light shine? We let it shine through good works. Our job is to make the visible invisible. God is invisible. But your responsibility is make Him visible through your good works. His goodness becomes visible through your acts of goodness. His love becomes visible through your acts of love. His compassion becomes visible through your acts of compassion. His mercy becomes visible through your acts of mercy. The Bible says in Romans 1 verse 4, the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Oh, I'm asking you just to be nice. I'm asking you just to bless people. I'm asking you. There's people sitting in this audience that's come to this church because they were blessed with an act of blessing. So bow night beyond our walls. Just go forth. It'll happen every other Sunday night. Every other month, I mean. Excuse me. Then lastly, we'll have a come and see service. About three services a year where all we're doing is asking you to invite the unbeliever to church. When you go out on bow night, you'll have information asking people to come to the come and see service. That come and see service is designed to engage the unbeliever. So we want to invite people to come to church, and that special service will be called come and see. And all that service is, is we'll have a guest speaker maybe share a testimony about how this person was delivered from drugs or sex trafficking or something interesting. Gets people's attention. And you invite them, and that's like a hook that we can get them in. But let's try you say, well, preacher, I've tried before, but let's continue to try. Let's invite people. Your mission is to invite somebody to church. Continue to invite them. 
Call them. Invest into their life. Because you, responsibility, is to show forth the goodness of God to a lost and dying world. Lastly, and we can't forget about this, this is last but not least, this is mobilizing in prayer. You see, on Sunday nights, we're going to have more emphasis in prayer and be more, more focused in prayer. One of the greatest revivals that ever happened was Brownville, Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida on Father's Day of 1995. But do you know why that revival happened? They were praying on Sunday nights for years before that. Praying and praying. I'm not saying we need to copy the model, but I am saying this, is that prayer has always been the key to every great revival that's ever happened in human history. If we are not praying, there is no power. People don't come on Tuesday nights to pray, and that is not a rebuke. They're just busy. We just have a few that comes out to pray. And I'm not here to make you feel bad about that. That's, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that if they can't come on Tuesday, at least when people do come, let's develop a culture of prayer while we are in the house of God. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Not a house of lights. Not a house of singing, not a house of preaching, but a house of prayer. And without prayer, I promise you, we will fail. Without prayer, I will become weak. Without prayer, false doctrine will creep in. Without prayer, I cannot lead effectively. Without prayer, ladies and gentlemen, we will never make an impact in this generation and in Galena. Prayer is the main force behind everything that we do. Can I hear an amen? We must pray. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus said, this is how you need to pray when you pray. He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us and deliver us from the evil one. Ladies and gentlemen, there is an evil one that's after us that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare and he will not let up. And if he is not going to let up, we can't let up. We got to pray and we got to seek the face of God. Got to pray. Listen, if you can't come on Tuesday, which I understand, I understand. Life is life. But can we at least on Sunday nights emphasize prayer more? I'm not saying I'm not going to preach on Sunday night. I'm saying that we're going to emphasize prayer more on Sunday nights. Are you for that? Say amen. And without it, we won't win. So what is it? it? These goals, they seem like numerous, don't they? But they help us accomplish the growing God, serve with man, change the world. What do, we, what do we need to work on this year? I'm just asking you that we just, the model we present, I want to raise the level of excellence. I'm asking that our children to our youth is trained through the Scriptures and growth point, and point sessions. We deal with relevant issues and theological subjects 
on Wednesday nights. I am saying that get involved in a connect group and stay involved. I'm asking you to help me build a church in India. Let's do a bow night. I'm asking you to let's pray together. That's all. That's very reasonable for us to do. Not hard, but let's go forth for the future. I am telling you, as I stand here this morning, that we are in the perfect will of God. I am saying that the future is so bright for us that if you could see what God wants to do, it would blow your mind. I'm asking you in closing, would you pray for me? Pray. Pray for me. Pray that I would lead with wisdom. Pray that I would preach with power. Pray that the decisions that I've made would be a decision that would God would be pleased with. Pray for me. Pray for my family. Pray for my future wife. Pray that every decision is made would be a decision that would enhance the church and build the kingdom of God. And as your pastor, I promise you, I pray for you daily. I ask God to bless you. When you hurt, I hurt. I didn't sign up for this thing because I thought it paid a lot of money. I am here because I am called to be here because I love you, have a heart for you, and I really, really desire God to do something great in and through your own life personally and through this church. I am not a perfect pastor. I will probably make decisions that you won't like or you won't understand. But will you give me grace? Because there might be information that you are not aware of. Decisions I make, you may not like, but I'm asking you to trust me because there may be things behind closed doors you're not aware of. So I'm asking you to walk in grace and humility and realize that if I am here as your pastor and God has entrusted me, then for the very best of my ability, I'll try my best. I have elders around me. I'm a financial team. I seek wisdom. I will always can seek wisdom. I don't know it all. I've never claimed to know it all. I just want to grow and learn. But my heart is for you. Let's go forth. Let's make church great again.